Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of The Point with me, your host, Jeff Spikes. I, as always, am super excited to be here. I'm happy to welcome you all, and I, I'm hitting my lucky number here. This is number 13, and that, to me, feels good, because 13 has always been this magic number for me, so we'll see what that means for today. Um, Thank you for some, for your comments that have been coming in. Um, I've heard personally from a handful of people that, um, and I've really, I've really, I've really uh, honored and feel honored and feel valued by your feedback, and I'm grateful that uh, I'm in the, that that it's causing more conversations and thought provoking for you, um, and your comments of me feeling natural in front of a. Just sitting here talking to a to a camera and talking to you directly from this viewpoint uh, is also appreciated because I do I do feel comfortable and it's been a really positive way. Now to talk about that, you know, today <clears throat> here's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about something real personal to me, and, and it's it's maybe it'll explain a little bit about where I come from, and not that that matters, right? But I think there's a point in how it affects you and how my journey and my discovery of things is becoming has become a great benefit to others and and I'm a, I'm grateful for that. So the idea is is how discovering my strengths saved my life. And I'm going to say that specifically the the strengths finder model is what discovering the strength finder model is really what what made the difference there um and and i'll start with a couple of other ideas you know first you know because there's a lot of other things that that were the cause of keeping me here in a safe and sane manner that i could i could attribute to different things that saved my life but um because i have been on the edge of wanting to live at different times in life um and that's something that I've learned to live with and also learn to deal with and also learn to uh, process in a healthy way, So, which, I, which I'm grateful for. Um, so to get down to brass tacks, really, um, so I don't want to take away from anything else that worked, but I, I want to talk about this today, strengths. And I want to talk about how the StrengthsFinder model, which became StrengthsFinder 2.0, and then after that became Clifton Strengths. But the journey with that really did save my life. And, and, and here's a little bit about why. Um, you know, the, the, the basic idea here for me um, really was that I was coming from a place in life of deficiency. And I was really in a stance and a standard as a, as a young person of correcting things that weren't working well for me. So... It was never a case of look at how well you did. We had moments in our childhood, my family had moments where kids in the family would be pedestalized. We'd be put on a pedestal for some great accomplishment we had done, but there was always this odd knowing that someone might be on the top of that pedestal today, but that tomorrow they could be off. So everyone was always waiting for that next thing to happen. And I, I do, I've done some work when, I'm, when, I, when I speak publicly you know, when I get up in front of crowds, there are a couple of topics I have, and one of them is that we are not our strategies. And this whole concept of, you know, how a leopard doesn't change its 
spots. And I usually talk about that, about how a leopard doesn't change its stripes because it helps illustrate the idea that we really don't know what we're talking about when we say that. And it's just a construct of idea of ideations and thoughts. Because the truth is we're all showing up in a way that we've learned is successful and that works and that, that makes life a little bit simpler. And that doesn't mean we're showing up in a way that's easiest and best for us as individuals. It oftentimes means that it just fits in an organization or in a group or in a culture. So there are some acceptable ways of moving forward. And the best way I can think of is getting more stern and getting more specific and disciplined and direct when there's a, when there's a lack of performance or an underperformance or if someone's not learning well enough the idea is raise our voice if they're not hearing what we're saying we raise our voice and not, i'm not saying everyone does this that's that's just a, uh, has been is a norm in some cultures and some environments and and the cause of some unhappiness and some high performance because people are afraid to get yelled at or they don't want to be yelled at so they're constantly working hard to get everything right but they're not necessarily happy and the truth is is that we can show up in those ways and that may not really benefit everyone although it may get some of the goals and some of the accomplishments done the bottom line is is that sometimes especially if we're in a you know if we're in a company or a corporation if people are unhappy with us and especially let's say we're in a corporation and the HR department's starting to give us a bad rap because there's people that aren't happy with our way of doing things. Maybe it's how we're performing in our own sense of performance managing others. And because we're getting tough, because we learn this strategy of getting tough, and there's this ebb and flow to when we, how we handle documentation and follow, following policies and all these things that it's a frustration to have to put someone on an improvement plan. And... <clears throat> So therefore, when we approach them with that, we're in frustration. And it's a common thing to say, well, if i got to put you on a PIP, a performance improvement plan, and if I've got to work on this, then I'm going to be on top of it. And I'm going to check everything, and I'm going to make sure. And, man, if you get off of this, you'll be lucky kind of thing. Whereas really, most performance improvement plans are meant to be exactly that, something you can improve from that helps save someone's job. But it's rarely used that way because we wait. Now, how rarely depends on the organization. So I understand I just totally generalized that, but my point is that doesn't mean that's the best way for that leader to show up. It means that's how that leader's chosen to show up based on cultural environment and what they've been taught is successful or what they've learned is successful or what they're avoiding in their own belief system about how to be and what's important to them. And we've been able to flip that with a lot of people and helping them understand and learn that oftentimes the best thing to do is to think about what's the truth. And if we want someone to succeed and we understand the cost of, of, of losing someone in a, in a job and we understand the value of keeping people around and the value of developing others into roles that really suit them and fit for them and work for them that benefit everyone, if we understand all the value points that we could construct around that in a, in a business world, then we can buy into and understand the idea of wanting someone to succeed. And what if we were quick to, to document and follow that human resources suggested way of doing things, of document everything, which can be a lot of work, but what if it wasn't? 
what if we wrote things down and documented it because that person is so valuable that we wanted to make sure that they understood that that is something that could get in their way and have them gone and we don't want to lose them so i don't know that's a that may be a stretch for and too heavy of a conversation for me wanting to just get into how learn discovering my strengths and learning about my strengths saved my life but that it really did be, and, and so let's go back to this so i come from this environment where everyone's looking at really what's broken about me unless i happen to hit a home run on something and then i'm really elevated for a minute but pretty soon the shoe is ready to drop and i've always wondered what it means i think i've hinted to it sometimes about what what what's that mean waiting for the other shoe to drop and i wonder what if it's a snowshoe snowshoes don't drop snowshoes are meant to stay on top of the snow so what if it's a snowshoe and we're waiting for it to drop well then we got the wrong shoe because a snowshoe keeps us up above the snow so we can travel across snow and there's no dropping about it <laughs> i i've said that to myself over and over to try and reverse the idea of what that whole thing means and just completely change the construct in my mind of what it means because it and now it does it hardly makes sense to me anymore so if you're if you're one of those people that uses that saying try that try thinking about that every time you every time it comes to your mind try thinking of it well what what if it's a snowshoe and just move on and see what happens but so the other side of it is that it was always being pointed out to me where i could be, where i could improve so i could have three b's and two a's on a report card and one c or d or anything else and that's what we focus on so the culture i grew up in was one that says oh yeah that's you're expected to get a's if you get a b you better fix it all right now you got to see well that's about that's as bad as it can be and you're in trouble and oh by the way you're in summer school if it's a c oh now you got a d Oh, now you're in, you know, it's on and on and on. I could keep going down that road. So, but let, I don't want to continue going down that road. There's no value in going down that road because that's what happened. And it didn't, it, it doesn't make who I am today. So, but what is important is that the lessons I learned from that at the time were that I needed to fix anything that was broken. I needed to really take care of anything that wasn't working well and shore it up and improve it. It naturally, instinctively trained me to, to be motivated from things I don't want. From I, I was very motivated by discomfort rather than being motivated by comfort. Because all I had to look forward to if I achieved something was to fall from that height of greatness. And what I had to achieve from recovering from something was the possibility of at least having some relief because of the kudos and benefit that came from turning something around that was almost a safer smoother journey than hitting some high high peak and falling from that level of of greatness um, or perceived greatness and so without getting into all the details of childhood and everything else, I grew up that way. And I joined, I've talked about this before. I joined the Marine Corps so I could fix this discipline that I needed in my life. I could, I could fix the lack of discipline and I could fix my ability to focus. So I had convincingly fixed those things. I had corrected those things. I had mastered the ability to be disciplined and focused. And those were my greatest strengths. And life was not easy. 
Life was not easy. I spoke to myself like a drill instructor. I turned that into such a habitual, repetitive behavior that it became automated. So that when I, so that I, I, I started calling it um, with, and, and inner Tourette's, and I meant that in a serious way. I didn't, I didn't mean there could be a diagnosis for that, and I certainly didn't have a diagnosis for that, and I don't mean that to be any disrespect to anybody with Tourette's, but it was very similar to what I've learned Tourette's is in, in tics and in words we use or other things because it felt uncontrollable internal dialogue that sometimes ended up coming out of my mouth as I did something wrong. And I'm telling you, the other week I was swinging on a golf course with, with two clients <laughs> and, a, and someone we had never met before, foursome, and we're going out there, and, I'm, and I swing, and I, I, the, man, I don't even know where the ball went. I, I lost three or four balls that day. And my inner talk came out like it used to. And that voice came out, and all of a sudden I was doing it aloud. And it was, you know, and I was cursing at myself, and I was calling myself names, and just kind of under my breath and out loud a little bit, just little, like fast sayings. Dumb shit. <laughs> and one of my clients looked at me, the guy riding with me, we were riding together. He goes, Wow. <laughs> you teach, you, you help me, you help me turn that around and not do that, brother. What's going on? I'm like, Yeah, that's why I'm good at it, right? That's why I'm good at it. I've, I've, I've done that enough and I automated that enough that turning around was something that I mastered and I learned how to turn that around. And yes, it still pops up obviously from time to time. And I was able to laugh at myself and move on and have a good day and not continue it. But it was clear how grateful I was, right? That could have been a shame spiral however long ago. That could have been. It wasn't. I'm safe, I'm healthy, I'm happy, I'm moving forward, I'm doing good things. I didn't fall into, curl into an inner ball and you know, whimper and whine and think, oh, they think less of me now or anything. And I didn't do any of that. I literally looked at him and I said, yeah, I know. It's, in, it's something else. And what are we going to do instead? And I literally turned it around with him, watching him, and had him actually help me. It was it was like, look, this is what we do for each other. This is the kind of support we gather around ourselves. This is the kind of support, the kind of people, the kind of friends, the type of relationships. And we were there in a business capacity. But at the same time, we were really there supporting each other, also getting to know each other a little bit better. And I was called on the table right there and able to turn it around. So huge benefit. So all that history being said, what really got my attention was that when my kids or an employee or my spouse, when, when one of those three things happened, not in that order, when I was in the middle of being disciplined and focused, I and someone came up and interrupted my focus. Though I've said it before, Kurt, you know, like really quick that no, I, since I was talking to myself like a drill instructor, I immediately started speaking to whoever interrupted me as a drill instructor, and that's true. But I was mean. I spoke like a mean drill instructor very quickly, very sharp, somewhat loud, angry. <clears throat> and I really became clear when I, did, when I really took an inventory, when I really looked in the mirror and owned that, it was something else. Like I, I understood, I had some real 
conversations to have with people who were closest to me to make that right because that had created some challenges and opportunities for my kids and my spouse and also some employees some people that work for me so turning that around has been a, a light uh, has been the re- you know since then has been a life of choosing a different behavior with the understanding of what I had done so that it's this daily sense of treating myself and others differently because that was something that I needed to correct energetically not just with others but also with myself you know I also came from a place of of trauma and when I tried to report the trauma I was told it was my fault and I was told that I was wrong and I was told that maybe maybe I was given the impression that they didn't believe me but I don't know that that's exactly right it was more I told you not to go down there I told you not to do this that or the other almost like well you must have deserved it because you went somewhere I told you not to or you hung out at a time that I told you not to so you're doing something you're not supposed to do so if that happened which I don't believe it did you know and that was an ongoing issue for me for you know there were a few things that were ongoing for me for a number of years so there's that too or my voice doesn't matter. The, you know, so all of these, I know, those things become automated in us. Right? So how do we step over those things? I took a pretty early viewpoint of owning it. And I owned it by discounting myself first and then taking whatever other people thought I needed and implementing new strategies. And I call that being adapted. I was talking, it was a, the other day I'm on a call, on a coaching call with another group that I'm in a, in a mastermind with, and we're talking about um, being divergent. And, and divergent is amazing because it's not just like everyone else. It's who we are meant to be, which is showing up authentically. Divergent is awesome because we can be kind and be divergent. We can be but, but it's also in, interruptive. It, in, it, it's a good interrupt to the business norm. And it helps others be authentic as well. So this idea of being authentic and aggressively, I mean, aggressively is the wrong word probably, but radically um, ourselves, unapologetically yourself, is a pretty solid plan be unapologetic about being you be the best of you that you could ever imagine being be unapologetic about it because then we're not showing up adapted and there's a difference but we can be adapted and divergent as well because we can we can do that but the point is just be ourselves right so that great another great example about that we were talking about hr and those other things if we come from a place of really caring, we really could sit neck across from somebody and if it's honest and look at someone and say, look, I've, it's important to me that you stay here, that you continue working here because I, I find value in what you do. I like you as a person. I want you on the team. We can add all kinds of things to that list if they're true. We don't want to BS somebody and tell them something that's not true. We also don't need to tell them a bunch of stuff that is true that might hurt them if we don't necessarily like them and everything they do and say and we get rubbed a little bit wrong by them. We can still find the gifts and the strengths and the good things in them 
so that we can connect just to those things and still be honest and then and then really talk to people like look i want you staying here now if we don't want someone staying here there's a different way to manage that but it's also really authentic to say that instead of getting frustrated because I like you or because I want you on the team and now you're messing up and I'm now angry that you're messing up and I'm going to take that out on you and I'm going to hold you down and pick everything apart and if you get through this, you know, blah, 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 blah. It's that whole scenario I was just talking about can become something that's really avoiding authenticity and now we're angry at the person for forcing us, putting us in a position where now... I have to act in a way that I'm not happy with with me. You're making me incongruent. I first saw my strengths, and I literally looked at them, and I was like, yeah, this, this, these aren't going to work. So on my strengths finder, which is now, I'll just start calling it Clifton Strengths, my top five are, are belief, command, woo, I can't believe I just missed that. Belief, command, woo, self-assurance, and strategic. Okay, and six is input, and, and I can keep going to 10 or 12, but let's just stop there. And I literally thought about that, and I thought, what am I going to do with these? What am I going to do with belief, command, woo? Let's just take those. Those are useless, Like, and it, which is not true. None of that is true, but I was like, I'm... I've, I, I'm disciplined and focused, and discipline and focus are two of the themes, right? And the themes in Clifton Strengths don't necessarily mean the dictionary term of that word. The themes wrap up a bunch of talents, and, and in the listing of the results, if you have them, the, the, the sentences are basically a variation of different talents that should we spend time executing and practicing and learning and showing up in those talents, we can exercise those into skills. Therefore, there's our designing process of our strengths where we get to go in and start designing. In the designing process we have in the book, we take this short-term goal method that's super simple. I've made it really clearly simple. based, And then I fit it into all of the best of the daily routines and processes that we go through to try and get it right, to try and get life right, and try and really maximize our results. With, and, and that goal setting process includes, you know, meditation, visualization, and these key goal goal setting, planning, and doing. Right. So we start doing, and we start doing it on short term goals that we're passionate about, that we're excited about. We and we look at other ways also. And in, in, I, I offer some other brainstorming things on learning more about our character strengths and learning more about our values and pulling out some more things about maybe public perception or people who love us the most and what they think we're great at. When are times we were most fulfilled? There's a whole list of other things that happen, but we're amassing. We're also looking at our processing, our ability to process. And then if we want to add other assessments to it, if we want to add Myers-Briggs personality stuff or, or via with values, character and values, um, or uh, Kiersey or any of these, Colby, if we want to add any of these assessments to it and bring it in, we can because Clifton is such a specific study of successful people and, and how they succeed, how they show up and win. It's such a solid study that's, that's not about who we are as, per, as personality. 
So it's very non-threatening. It's just how we choose to go about doing things. Now, some people still connect it to their, to their personality, but that's a choice. It's not the science. So stepping back, how did this save my life? Well, I, first I avoided it for, for, for quite a while. I said, okay, well, I'm at least going to take the advice and look at this. Now, I didn't take all 34, so I didn't know that discipline and focus were 33 and 34 for me. I didn't know that at the time that both command and self-assurance at the time were the least common theme names or themes. I didn't know that they were the least common out of everyone who'd ever taken them and that they were both in my top five. But see, belief, command, woo, self-assurance, strategic, and input, those work for me easily because they're my top strengths. It made it really easy for me to buy into this idea to create the belief, command myself and others, very self-assured, you can't tell me anything different, win everyone over, including myself and all my parts, and find every strategy possible, input data from everywhere that I could to support my agenda that I was absolutely the best, my strongest self was discipline and focus because I fixed it. I So there my strengths were working against me and making life a bit more difficult. But hear that loud and clear. My strengths were working for me so well that it worked against me. Because the intention, because I just wasn't aligned right. There was still this misalignment and there was still this adapted self showing up because I, and the way I was and the way I was, wasn't good enough. When I went through the pro through, through different processing styles to learn what my processing styles are, I learned I am verbal. I decided to employ people in my life or deploy or end employ people in my life that could learn to hear me speak. Maybe one of the reasons I'm natural doing this. Because when I hear myself talk, I'm processing. Now I've learned the difference between processing out loud and sharing. And I used to have to be really cautious of that. But that leads me to the next thing. So I started questioning, what if, what if, they're tr what if, they're, what if it's right? Someone recommended me, well, let's just pretend discipline and focus are your six and seven, because all I had was my top five. And belief, command, self-assurance, self and strategic are the top five. Why don't we just start considering what if we used, what if, what, why not me? Why not me? Why not me as far as belief or command? And then I started, once I opened up to that idea, I started to see that, oh, the, well, they're kind of true anyway in what I'm doing and how I do things. I, I am strong in belief. I did, I have a, man, once I believe something, I'm, that's it. And it's very difficult to get me off of, of being, of it being true. Now think about this. This is my experience and story, but think about, uh, think about yourself. Now, maybe you grew up in a beautiful environment where you were honored for what you did. Maybe you, when, when, maybe you were a verbal processor like me. And when you spoke and were all over the board, people were patient with you and listened and were like, man, this is great. Keep talking. There's something you're saying that I'm sure means something. Right? And someone came alongside you and helped you and said, what is it that's special and beautiful about how you're choosing to see things or how you're seeing things and how you're choosing to accomplish learning or anything? 
there's something different about how you're doing things. What is that that makes you special instead of you better perform this way or else, and this is how it's going to be, and you better get your head out of the clouds and quit dreaming so much, right? So maybe you had, or maybe you had a combination of both, right? Maybe, you know, and maybe what matters most is how we can move forward from here today, not what it was like then. What it was like may help us not do it again, but what it was like also may just help us learn the lessons we need to learn to move forward and do something different. So how did learning my strengths save my life? First of all, I learned not to, I learned naturally and instinctively. Once I changed the value and realized that, and I, and I realized that I was valuing trying to be something I wasn't over just trying to be who I could be, and I started considering new ideas, one of the first things that left, one of the first things that escaped and stopped repeating as a pattern was getting upset with people when they interrupted me when I was being disciplined or focused. I started developing belief systems around why something was important for me to focus on in, in a way that appeared disciplined and why it was a great thing for me to be focused on something for a certain period of time and really d dig in and do it. And I started developing strategies within my strengths and I started being more commanding. And I, and, and in the way that I, you know, I have a presence when I walk in a room, people know I'm there. I learned to start turning that towards a positive. I still had issues at different times with a couple of things. And one of them is when I'm in learning mode, I'm in learning mode. And People sometimes confuse that for different things, you know, for, for an alpha beta type thing where it's like, yeah, if I'm in learning mode, I'm learning. That has nothing to do with who I am in the universe. That has to do with me learning. And if I'm putting myself in a safe space to learn, then that's the way it is. And I'm going to pull everything I can out of in an environment because I have a strong belief system that that's the right thing to do. And I'm going to tear it apart so I know it so well. And then once I'm good, once I'm solid, then I can move forward. I've, I've been able to unwrap a lot of those beliefs too. But again, because belief is so strong. So this leads me to the next question, which is really important. I'm asking this more and more today, and I asked this just an hour ago, working with a client. I said, I said, you're amazing at being at learning. You love learning. It's this this guy is just in he's so good at learning, and learner in the Clifton Strengths is his number one. Now he's also an achiever and he's got some other things, but and he has input in there somewhere. I think that's five or six. And um, there's a handful of things that really play together, though, that make him give, give the possibility for him to spend so much time learning. Now, I had another person who every single recently, that every single one of their top, the nine of their 10 are all of the strategic themes. Every, every strategic theme is in their top 10. So... They're super strategic. And so here's the question. I said, you're so good at learning. If it's your natural gift, why are you working so hard at it? It's a good question. Why is it so hard? Why is it so difficult? Why does it take so much time? Why is there so much energy invested into reading and learning 
Not that you don't need to, not that it's not wise to do that, but why? Like, let's get, let's start looking at our intentions attached to these things because if you're naturally great at it, it's easy and effortless. Does it need to be difficult? Do we need to look at, wow, that was a lot of information. Man, it's difficult to absorb and take in. And I don't, I'm going to have to read even more. And now I got to read more. Now I got to read more. Now I got to read more. And I'm leaning on that learner. I'm leaning on that ability over and over and over. At what point, now their number two is achiever. At what point do you shift and start using achiever and pair achiever with it so that we're learning? But why is it, why are we spending any time in difficulty in one of our greatest strengths? That, that's meant to be easy for us. And it's just because we're not showing up in the strategies and the ways that help us make it easy. And we're not acknowledging it. Sometimes it's because I've, I've had a lot of feedback from people saying, well, I feel like I got something to prove because no one sees that in me. They see it as a, a default because they'd rather I get there faster and it's important for me to slow down and really gather all the learnings I can. And I'd ask, why do you need to gather all the learnings you can? What if you just naturally learn all the things you need to and then you go back later and do all that reading because you like it? Because you're such you're so good. And what if we took different parts of you and your strengths and helped you learn to find confidence in that and we activate some other things and we really aim some of these things at it So, at, at what you're doing. So what happens is, in one way, we're still using our best self, and that's great, but that's all we're using, and we're using it over and over and over, and people are getting potentially tired of it. And maybe it's starting to get in the way, and it's not really serving as well as it could. So now when we really shift from discovering to designing, when we really make that shift to where we really really want to start looking at how we do things and trying to make it easier, and we start questioning if it's something I'm so great at, why is it so difficult? As long as I have a presentation prepared, I can speak, I can let things go off the cuff and just follow the presentation loosely. I don't need to spend hours preparing. And I know that because there's certain things that come easy to me that aren't necessarily easy to everybody. Now, at the same time, some of those other things to do also help keep me really focused. So finding the balance of what works and doesn't work and finding the strengths and those nuances really helps. And But we don't have to struggle. So the guy with the strategic themes, everything in his top 10 is, is about strategy. He's working really hard at always picking the right strategy. And it's like, man, if you're really good at strategy, why isn't it just easy to pick a direction? So by learning my strengths, life got less hard. It got less difficult, right? It became, I started falling into flow a little bit more and I found that there was an ebb and a flow to it. I'd read it, I'd consider a few ideas and then I'd wait a month or two and go through it. And to me, it seemed really slow. And I got to thinking, why should it take five or six years to go through this and really start gleaning anything from it and getting anything super positive? What if we could escalate this and go through a little bit of work and or maybe a lot of work and a little bit of time but not hard work just just some extra effort and we really put in the effort and the time to think through think mentally through things and really fall in line with the with, that we want to design ourselves anyway 
and we start really practicing this goal setting, what would happen? And what happens is that all these obstacles that stand in front of us that seem like an unsurmountable mountain of things to do, all of a sudden become fun to tackle now. Not tomorrow, not yesterday, like now. They become, it becomes exciting to jump into these obstacles now because we see that they're not that difficult if we just naturally do what's best in ourselves to accomplish or overcome or deal with them or cast them away or kick them out of the way. What if I've had people, I was saying this on, I think on the previous podcast that I recorded, it was like, there's people that read three chapters of the book and are so they're like, man, I'm good. I'm good. I just, I just gained this energy and this, this ideation, all this stuff so quickly that I'm good now. I'll come back to it in a little bit, but I've gained enough. So we're talking about maybe switching it up and doing, doing stages and helping people through it so they understand how to get through the rest of the value of the book so that they can truly design and see more of their goals happening rather than just one or two big things all of a sudden pop and now we're happy as heck. And now we're going to wait for another opportunity of being uncomfortable enough. That's a clear sign of that I'm working with somebody who's moving away from than towards. So if you're one of those away from people, we're going to want to sit down and talk about what do we do when we hit this spot where I've done just a little bit and poo, man, I made this huge move away from some stuff and now things are really good. So knowing that and knowing that that's the time we need to turn it on for about another week, maybe two weeks and dig a little deeper and how much bigger the change is and how much bigger the efficiency can be and how much greater we can then get into automations quickly with our processes because it's, it's instinctively natural for us. So what it did for me and how it saved my life is it helped me stop the, the, the considering ongoing self-hate, right? The, the, the shame to exist thought processes that I had. It helped me move completely away from any of the ideas that I'm not worth it. And it helped me learn the lesson that they were people that addressed me as a kid that didn't stop and take the time to learn what was special about me that said you know, that, that I know they loved me. I'm not, my uncle loved me, but he would complain if I had to ride with him because I talked so much. He couldn't take it. He didn't see it as let's find the gift, let's find the beauty, let's find whatever's special here because he's, you know, whatever. It was or let's help him embrace something different and learn about himself. He just took the standpoint of what a pain in the butt I was. I still idolized the heck out of him and wanted to ride with him everywhere I could, but um, <clears throat> I also kind of felt bad that he, the, you know, I did feel bad, like I felt ashamed. So all of those thoughts and all those things got piled on and you know, I got to turn that stuff around and start looking at things differently. And when we can authentically realize that People just didn't take the time to, to harvest what's uniquely special about ourselves. Now today we're doing better at it, but we're still not there. Today we're stopping and slowing down and looking at young people and saying, wait a minute, that sounds like a different perspective. Let me hear more. We get too wrapped up in whatever they're saying that's wrong. And we don't want to take ownership over our part of how we've rolled down a lot of bad information. And now they're reacting in a way that is whatever it is. Like, come on. 
there's 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 a lot of there's a lot of young people today that are just in a complete total reaction formation to all the bs that we've passed down whether we meant to or not doesn't matter we've handed down a mess of crap that just isn't true all the way down to our food chain so if we can own that and know that that's got everyone messed up chemically in their in our bodies and hormonally in our bodies and like all these other things are just messed up now we can get to sorting it out and just talking honestly and but but we need to look at our young people no matter what they're saying or how they're showing up and if they're in our lives and they're someone we love we need to stop long enough to say what is it about you that's different or special that we could talk about that would help you understand yourself and then be able to be your authentic self without worrying about all this other stuff because it's a possibility right it's a huge possibility that we don't have to wear any labels at all to be who we are uniquely and specially in ourselves but all these labels and all these meanings of what different things mean we then end up placing statements and rules and things and, and it's just anyway that, that I, i'm I've, i feel like i'm done with the conversation tonight but that is a that is a rabbit trail that this ends up in because I think that there's a big part of our population today screaming at us, our, our young people screaming at us, trying to really put an end to arrogant, one-minded, if you're not this way, you're wrong kind of thinking in this polarized view of how all this is. And I have a firm belief that most opposing views today, politically and every other way, People are saying the same thing if they're saying hate, if they're saying fear, if they're saying, no matter what their words are, they're communicating the same fear. They're communicating the same confusion, the same anger, right? And all of that being communicated, anytime we're communicating that, we're communicating the same energy, we're communicating the same thing. Now, some of us are slowing down and stopping and, and we may still be talking about some factual information, but we're also stopping down and looking at individuals saying, I love you no matter what. You're a fellow human, and I'm going to do my part. And I'm going to approach you as a human and at least have the conversation. So a lot of that's happening. And because of social media and all the things happening, a lot of them are very public. <laughs> so I'm going to end it there. But discovering my strength saved my life. It gave me ninja powers of designing strengths, of walking in and getting into people's lives and getting into people's inner workings and in organizations' inner workings and seeing these golden things that just get missed out of these tunnel visions and finding what really is going to impact the most change, the most positive growth, and the most whatever. And most of the time I'm working in such a complex time, time frame that I need to simplify and just help things be a lot simpler because I've got these things... My belief system in my natural way is just spinning in so many ways. But that today is a value to you. And I don't have to explain it, justify it, or do anything else with it. I just get to be. And you get to experience. And I get to experience. And we get to experience in being who we are and helping ourselves find that, be that, and do that. You get to do all the work for you. I get to do all the work for me. But finding my strengths saved my life and gave me a life 
because even though I had stopped a lot of the drama and the trauma and all the other stuff in my life and I'd stopped causing more harm, even though all of that had life had gotten a lot better, I wasn't damaging myself with drinking. I was I just I decided to live a clean, easy life. But even though I had cleaned up my life, I still hadn't learned to be authentic. I still didn't know it was okay to be me because it had been shoved down so hard. So discovering it gave me the opportunity to start to be willing to consider something different and that maybe there is something about me that's right. And here we are. Every day I learn more about what's something right. And every day people I'm around continue to learn things that are right about them. And every day stuff that's not right just falls away easily and effortlessly. It just falls away. We just naturally realize that, man, all of a sudden, all this great stuff happened. And what we say is, oh my God, that was amazing. But was it? Is it amazing when some major change happens and everything turns positive? Or is that just normal? Is that just the norm that we're not used to yet because we're so accustomed to these cycles? We design these cycles. We design these drama triangles and drama circles and loops and hooks and barbs and and we design the, all these things when if we get into designing our strengths and we design the authentic we uncover the authentic self and start designing ways of being behaviors actions specific thoughts that we choose over others triggers that might have triggered us you know one way now trigger us into a positive action when we start allowing all that to unwind it's not even an unwinding anymore it just becomes something entirely different as fast as you can imagine it it becomes something entirely different so I'll end with that comment that discovering my strengths saved my life, and gave me an authentic life that I'm proud to live. And I look forward to helping anyone and everyone that wants to step up and figure that out for themselves. I, I'm here. That's, that's my wheelhouse, and that's what I love. And we'll aim it at anything you want to change. And life will become very interesting and amazing and fun. And obstacles will look like butter in a hot pan. They'll just melt away and become amazing flavor for life. So, <laughs> all right. That's all I got today. Thank you for being here. Love to all. We'll see you on the next one. Thank you for joining us for another amazing episode of The Point with me, Jeff Spikes. The greatest compliment you could give me is liking, loving, and sharing this episode with all your friends. So please, if you're on Spotify, iHeart, or iTunes, leave a five-star rating and review. If you're on YouTube, like and subscribe. Make sure to tag me. I love hearing from you, the listeners of this show. The links for all my social and iTunes are in the show notes. Also, if you'd like to engage with me in anything related to my coaching, consulting, speaking, or programs, please visit jeffspikes.com for everything you would need to know to engage with me offline. And lastly, thank you for your time, your attention, and your consideration. This is The Point.